And so again, people talk about what people are talking about it. So instead of shunning people who make mistakes, why don't we, why don't we ask more questions and bring in more belonging so that we can better understand each other instead of just canceling what we say or what somebody says because of a, a mistake they've made. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. It's time for you to increase your influence, grow your business, and scale to freedom. Now, let's enter the lab with your host, Samantha Riley. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab for episode two of two with Alyssa Light, or Twist as she is known. So in the last episode, we touched on monetizing your content. And after we finished recording, Twist and I chatted for quite a while afterwards and the conversation was fantastic. And we decided that we would record another episode and go down that rabbit hole a little bit deeper. So today we're going to talk about creating meaningful content. So really tapping into our thought leadership, really creating authentic content that helps you to establish a strong sense of belonging with your audience. They get to know you, you get to know them on much on a much deeper level. So let's jump into the Thought Leaders Business Lab yet again with Twist. Welcome back to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Alyssa, it is so great to be doing version 2.0 with you. <laughs> This is fabulous. I only wish that we had been able to do it like right after our last recording, but we both had things to do. So here we are and let's make magic. Absolutely. And it was, we nearly did change up our calendars to record because we were like, chat, 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 chat. Really, we should have just kept recording and recorded our whole chat, but we're here and we're doing it. (laughs) So it's really great to be, to have you back because last episode we talked about content, how to create content, how to create content that sells, how to create content that engages. And what we want to do today is have more of a conversation around taking that content to the next level and really bringing in our authority positioning, really bringing in our our influence and our thought leadership. And I found out after we recorded the last episode that you did Seth Godin's Alt-MBA. And that's when I went, oh, we definitely need to take this to the next level because that is amazing. But for anyone that's listening that hasn't heard about what Alt-MBA is, can you just give us a quick overview on what, what that looks like? Because when I saw it, it blew my mind. Absolutely. So Alt-MBA, first of all, I have to tell you, is, can be a particularly ethereal thing to attempt to convey to people. Uh So I I will do my absolute, yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to do my absolute best by telling you what it is and what it's not. Beautiful. Yep. So what it is, is a course that is one month. So these are the practical things. One month, I believe it's 13 projects that you do with other people or on your own. And it's a big time commitment. So it's two nights a week and all day on one of your weekend days, the structure is set up. So you really give your whole life to this for about a month. And that alone was a really interesting experience to like dive into something and fall in love with something that I didn't intend to fall in love with that I just wanted to participate in, but also have this really grappling experience with at times as well. So that's sort of the what it is and a bit of the experience. And 
what in my thought, in my goal, in, or in my um, opinion, my experience, Samantha, the outcome is really how we bring empathy to business in order to grow our businesses in mm -hmm. a new way with integrity in our communities. Seth often talks about making a ruckus mm -hmm. and so being the disruptor of the current thought. And so throughout the projects, you are encouraged to make a ruckus and create opportunity for other people and yourself in the same time. Yep. So that's what it is. What it's not is a, here's how to write a business plan. Here's what marketing is. Here's what, you know, a cash flow sheet. Like that's not what it is. This is the human side of business and how we can bring that to our lives, to our jobs, to our social projects. Mm. That's what it is. Love it. We'll definitely do it one day. Definitely. Because what I love about it, and this is where our conversation started to go after we finished recording last time, is that... We do get caught in exactly what you were just saying with the business plan. This is the way we do it. This is the framework. This is blah, blah, blah. And really, if we want to embrace thought leadership, which, and I'll just share that I believe that everyone can be a thought leader. When we put ourselves in the position of backing ourselves up against a wall and saying, is this good enough? Or is this the kind of work that a thought leader would produce? And by constantly asking ourselves that question, that's how we develop our thought leadership. And this is where you and I got very excited, if I can remember correctly. And I'm believing, or I guess this is a big piece of what you got from doing the Alt-MBA, is starting to really think outside the box and start to look, well, if that wasn't the rule, what could it be? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the most valuable things that happens in Alt-MBA when you do a project is you post your project within a specific software that they use and then other people comment on your work. Uh-huh. And so every time you post a project, you have at least five people comment on the work you've done. And what that does is allows you to then reflect on how you might have created that piece differently if you had had those thoughts, questions, opinions, queries before you had what they refer to as shipped the project or posted the project. Mm -hmm. And so you write a reflection summary based on exactly those thoughts. So if you said, mm -hmm. you know, music is the window to the soul and somebody else said, how is it that it is? Then you would be able to comment based on, oh, I, for I forgot to actually put that in. My, my, it was so ethereal that I forgot to put in something practical. So here's what I would have done differently. Here's how I would have written it differently had I had the opportunity to have these questions beforehand. Okay. This is cool. A thought that just came up when I was chatting with a friend last year was that it took me a little while to get to the point where I was okay in being wrong. I'll just unpack that mm -hmm. a little bit. We might put together a framework or some sort of visual model based on what we know and believe today. And then down the track, after working with clients, presenting at workshops, listening to feedback, you realize, actually, I need to tweak that model or I need to change that because that's actually not quite right. And I find that this is a place where a lot of people Oh, what's, I'm going to say fall apart, but start to, to shame themselves about being wrong. And that as thought leaders, one of the biggest pieces that I had to learn was that it's okay to say that was okay then and I believe it, 
but it's not quite right. Here's version 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, and that we have to embrace always taking that feedback and changing things up. I'd love to hear how doing Alt MBA has changed that for you or, or has it? Like, how has that changed the way that you produce your work? I think one of the ways that it has changed the way I do work was based off one specific, or I should speak about one specific project we did. And that was about pragmatic decision making. Mm -hmm. And so making decisions based on odds instead of on your feelings. Mm -hmm. And this was my big reason for doing Alt MBA. And it was because I had to make a very big decision in my life at the time that ultimately was a, am I going to really go down this path or really go down this path? And and Mm -hmm. which one is it? And I couldn't see at that point that there were other options because I just thought it was, is it A or is it B? Mm -hmm. It wasn't, is it A but there are four different things that I could do. I mean, uh-huh. I just I couldn't see that. And my fear with, with this example is I'm not being clear enough. So I'm, I'm going to be really open with the listeners, if that's okay with you. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So a few years ago, my friends, I was approached by some of my old staff who informed me that our old camp director was leaving and that I should go and be the camp director because I promised in 2008 that I would do that. And this was mm-hmm. 2015. And so... I mean, I did apply for the position. I did take it on, but I didn't know it was going to take over my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't communicated to me in the way that it ended up being. Mm-hmm. There was a, a real disconnect there. And so three years in, I was exhausted, burnt out, emotionally done because I was the only year-round staff and we had 420 kids that we looked after during the summer. Mm-hmm. And so although I brought in staff for the summer, I was everything for the rest of the year by yeah. myself. And so was it that I was going to continue doing this work because it was, it benefited underprivileged and at-risk youth whom I am very passionate about serving? Mm -hmm. Was I going to keep doing that or was it better for me to leave and pursue something else? Mm -hmm. Being going back to my speaking business and really put it, making it full time. So those Mm -hmm. were my two choices. That's, That's all I thought I had. Those were the two choices that I thought I had. And as I started to talk to my group inside of Alt MBA, you're in groups. And as I started to talk with my group, you know, there's this wonderful woman called Mange and she lives down in Georgia. She and I are still friends. And she was just like, twist, what if you left, but you were a donor? What if that's how you made the difference? It's okay if you're not there, but what if you were a donor? And then I went, oh, I never thought I could just do that. Right. Because Mm. somehow I felt like I was not doing everything I could or taking away from, or, you know, that whole world of not good enough creeped up. And I didn't want to be wrong. Like I was so scared of making the wrong decision. And so Manj and I spent a lot of time and we put out different options. So I could stay in my position. I could, maybe I could become a board member. Maybe I could be a donor. Maybe I could just walk away. Maybe I could do something different. So we looked at all these different options and I created a scoring system. And I don't want to get into the details of that because they don't matter in Mm -hmm. this conversation. Uh But I was able to create the scoring system and I scored everything and I went, oh, I actually really could just be a donor. That, That would be totally okay. And suddenly being able to take the emotion out of the decision and just look at it pragmatically and then experience a reaction to the number that popped out based on my scoring system was the most freeing experience. I I, I can't even begin to tell you. And so from there, I was able to look at other ways I can contribute to lots of things. So instead of 
being afraid to be wrong by missing something or not giving everything I have to this particular, you know, cause or whatever. I'm now able to step back and go, oh, doing this actually does make a difference and Mm -hmm. I don't have to break myself to do it. Oh, I did that and I believed in it and I did it that way. So for example, in my speaking, I'm in the process of developing new content that I've delivered a few different ways. And I went, hey, that actually you know, it did, it worked for that group, but I don't think it's going to work for this group. And so in the past, I would have made myself wrong for not just getting it right. Mm -hmm. And now I can see that there are different ways of doing things. And not that I couldn't see that at all before, but now there's no emotion attached to it. It's just like, oh, I see that there needs to be a change. Here's what I did well. Here's what I didn't do well. Let's move on. Yeah. And oh, I really love that you brought that piece in too, because that's something that I hadn't even touched on, is that when we take the emotion out of what we thought previously was being wrong, which actually isn't being wrong at all. It's just Mm -hmm. seeing a different way. It opens up a whole world of opportunity that we didn't Mm -hmm. even know existed before, which is super exciting. Mm-hmm. Making these decisions, understanding that there were, there were other options, let's talk about how to bring those same principles into creating content because this is where you can put your content on steroids and really stand out because the market is so noisy. The perfect example of this is that I have multiple email accounts And there's an email account that I have all of my, I'm going to say normal emails go to. And then I've got another email account that only my friends have and my team have. Maybe get like four or five emails a day. That's it. That email account I read every day. Seth's daily email is one of those emails that I get every day. And him and someone else, a copywriter, they are the only two emails I get in my personal email because... I want to read them every single day. Yet so many people say, oh, who reads emails? But we want to, I think, create content so that we are the ones that people are choosing to put into their little tiny email folder. Making those decisions, how have you been able to use those principles to create your content so that it does stand out? As far as the decision-making piece, it was really just, am I going to do this or not? Mm Mm-hmm. And so when I decided to do it, I made the decision to put things out there that mattered and be able to bring it back to business. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I post things, you know, I'm really passionate about clean water. So I post things about water and that's really about humanity. Mm-hmm. And so I bring it back to, you know, how we treat people is a reflection of who we are. Mm-hmm. And so if we, if we take that principle and then talk about belonging in business, because I firmly believe that we can build businesses through belonging. Yes. And there's great evidence in 20, oh, I'm going to get the year wrong, uh, 2015, I think, the Canadian Community Foundations of Canada did a research study. Mm-hmm. And they determined that the number one thing that people want to feel is belonging. Mm-hmm. And that it's also the number one thing that people don't feel. Yes. Now, Brene Brown is brilliant and is, is, you know, put the belonging on steroids in the last 12 Mm -hmm. months, um, especially, but it's been a wonderful thing for her to bring that in and and be able to use her work too to back that up. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at developing content, I always look at how am I creating belonging and a sense of, you know, really like human worth and dignity, or how am I provoking conversation or starting conversation that most people stay away from? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are ways that I have learned to do that 
I wouldn't say based on trial and error, really based on listening to how people react to it mm-hmm. and watching how people react to how people react. Ah, so I love that's that. That's really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I talk about, Samantha, is that people talk about what people are talking about. Yes. That's what yeah. they do. So yeah. if you're able to create content that honors whatever set of beliefs and values you have, what it honors that, then you can also create great conversation. for Can you dive deeper into creating content that helps create belonging and creating content that possibly is polarizing and starting conversations because mm-hmm. then they might not necessarily be the same thing. Can you sort of open that up a bit for us? Yeah. So one thing, and I'm just going to share this because this is uh, part of who I am. I struggle with ADD. It is my superpower. And also what happens is, is if you ask me two questions, my brain goes in 10 directions. <laughs> so I need you to only ask me one question at a time so that I can best serve the listeners. Okay. 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 How can you create content that helps people feel belonging without at the same time as creating the conversation. Okay, got it. So I'll give you an example. I am working on a project right now that is all about inclusion in the workplace. And that is a pretty controversial thing for a white person to do. But what I say to people is I fit into three minority categories and only one of them is assumingly visible. So I look like a woman, I identify as a woman, I'm considered a minority, okay? However, I also, as I just shared, I have ADD, but I also have Tourette. And so that's a pretty small percentage of people who have Uh that. Uh And most of the time it's invisible because I don't tick a lot in public. I don't tick when I'm on stage. You know, I tick when I'm cold and tired. Cold, tired, hungry is worse. Like somebody feed me, please. Okay. Uh-huh, like uh-huh. give me a sweater yep. and feed me. Yep. Okay? I'm hungry. <laughs> yes. It just makes me tick when I'm, when I'm cold and tired and hungry. Anyway. And then the other category that I fall into is I have a female partner. Uh-huh. And so it's interesting because I never thought I would end up with a woman. That was a complete surprise to most people because when I met Heidi, I had a Steve. And that was a thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't on my radar. And so I think because I don't look like what 20 years ago we stereotype a lesbian to look like or a gay person to look like, people don't make that assumption about me. Uh And so I'm interested in creating conversation that about inclusion in a workplace that actually highlights how it is we can grow faster together because we're not caught up in what you look like, what's in your pants, what you believe, all that jazz. Yep. So the other day I posted on Facebook and I said, you know, that I was looking for diversity and people that wanted to have a conversation about their differences because I don't want to speak for them. It's not my place to speak for them. Mm -hmm. I have a beautiful friend named Heather and she and her son speak on stage. She's a meeting planner and her son is openly transgender. And so they talk about what it's like from parent and child perspective Mm -hmm. because you know, there's this taboo, uncomfortable shunning somewhere in that, that cloud uh-huh. of, well, if you just don't accept your child the way they are, that's it. So you should just get over yourself. And Heather believes that parents who are going through this need more support. And so yeah, she speaks totally. about it from that perspective. So regardless of whether you're on board with that or not, as far as what your beliefs hold, mm-hmm. it is happening in the world. And just factually, this is a conversation. Yep. And so again, people talk about what people are talking about it. 
So instead of shunning people who make mistakes, why don't we, why don't we ask more questions and bring in more belonging so that we can better understand each other instead of just canceling what we say or what somebody says because of a, a mistake they've made? Does that mm. make sense? That is the most, you unpacked that so clearly and beautifully that it makes perfect sense. So we're creating belonging from opening the conversation. And it's about being empathetic and listening to the way other people do it. I saw a post on Facebook yesterday, actually, and someone was talking about seeing people of color. It was, I I can't remember the, the context. And someone commented I don't see people of color. I feel them. She was saying through her words that we should all love. And then someone else said, what would someone of color say if you said that you didn't see them? And then that person commented underneath, I want to be seen. And it was a beautiful conversation because this person hadn't said it out of malice, but realized in a public forum how her belief came across and all of a sudden went, oh, I felt that I was being loving and inclusive. And in actual fact, my words weren't being inclusive at all. Mm-hmm. And the way that it was unpacked was I absolutely like really, who, who knew that you could enjoy reading feeds on Facebook, but it was, right? a, I, but it was such a fabulous conversation and it really stuck with me. Well, obviously we're talking about it now. And so by op- exactly what you're saying, by opening the conversation, we're creating empathy and mm-hmm. that is helping us to come together as, you know, a global population and start understanding each other more, which is exactly what needs to happen to change the world. So as, yeah. as entrepreneurs, as thought leaders, you know, this is the power that we have is to bring people together. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a really beautiful moment that we're experiencing. And there's something that I would really love to share, if that's okay with you. It's always okay with me. (laughs) So this whole inclusion thing that started and me being requesting me to speak about it came about because when I worked at this particular summer camp, um, one of the things that I wanted to do was create a really safe space for kids who hadn't got everything all figured out. Like these kids are going through enough in life. You know, um, most of these kids have been abused in some way, uh, neglected, removed from their parents forcibly, you know, all of these sorts of things. And so I didn't want anything except joy for them if that's what they chose when they came to our camp. And so I wrote a statement of inclusion and I read it to every person I interviewed that I was serious about. And I'd like to share it with you Mm. because I think it will give people an idea of what it is they can create. And I'd also like to share when I missed something in it and I had to add it. Mm -hmm. So there was, there was the wrong piece. Okay. Members of our community come from all walks of life. We come from many countries and we speak many languages. We practice faiths in ways you may be unfamiliar with. And many of us would love to share. We are all shades of skin tone and we are all genders, including transgender. We have boyfriends, girlfriends, and partners. We come with a wide range of abilities and talents, sometimes requiring adaptations or modifications. If you're uncomfortable with any of this, or if this will interfere with your ability to perform your duties, we respectfully request that you choose somewhere else to work because we're a community and we're in this together. And as I, you know, profess to support all of these people and and create accommodations, and believe me, we had a lot of accommodations for our staff and our campers. 
one of my staff came to me and said, right now, I don't, I don't know what gender I am. And I'll tell you, Samantha, I, I can't relate to that. Like, I, I cannot imagine hating my body so much or being so confused by it that, that I, I feel like I need to change it mm-hmm. as far as a, a gender goes. And so this person identified as what's, what we refer to as non-binary. Mm-hmm. And so that's no gender. And I had only put transgender as an identifier in, and they came to me and said, could you, could you please put non-binary in here? Because that would, that would help me feel like I belong. And although people nitpick at these things and say, oh, it's so little, why does it matter, blah, blah, blah. If that little, little word in there is going to make such a difference for somebody who is so fabulous on my staff that they fly from Holland every single year to Canada to work for me for 200 bucks a week, mm-hmm. then I'm absolutely going to help make them more comfortable because mm. probably I've got campers who are too scared to say so. Mm. But because I've created belonging for the staff member, I've now created it for my campers too. And that's mm. ultimately why, why that charity existed. I love that so much. And helping us understand, because we do hear a lot, why do we have to include all of those things? And I had also had that belief in the past. Oh, why does it matter? But the way that you explained it then helps us to understand that it does matter that by including those people, they feel a sense of belonging. And, at a, and I'm thinking at a time where that member of staff for you was probably, oh, what's the word, I guess a little bit challenged in herself at that time that she was, you know, that she obviously didn't feel comfortable and that's why she came to you, that by having you include her would have changed quite a lot. Yeah. And I had to change my language because she didn't fit. So they became, they and them became their pronouns. Mm. And so, you know, that was something that I had, you know, I said to my staff, like, please correct me because I want you to feel respected. Mm. And if it's this thing that's going to make you feel respected, then I'm going to make absolute effort to make sure that I, I say those things correctly, your pronouns. And I'm also going to help other people realize that as well. And so, you know, we didn't start this conversation expecting to explore these issues together. And, and certainly we have a little bit. What I want people to hear though, is that it's really not about what you think. It's really just about if your stand is for people, how can you create belonging in your community? Perfect. And, you know, on our last recording, as, as some of the listeners may recall, I brought up a completely different example of a woman who was running for politics in some capacity in the U.S. And so she was on a Christian radio station. Mm-hmm. And so I want people to remember that using a diverse set of content will also help you understand your audiences better. Mm. And so bring, bringing this back to business, you know, if you don't know about something, something you can do is just post and say, I have a question. I'm not looking for judgment, big capital letters, and then just say what you want to say then people can better understand what you're looking for and where you're coming from. And, you know, I don't stand for people slaughtering people online who are asking questions. Maybe they Googled something and got, you know, maybe they Googled Handmaid's Tale and, and got Handmaid, whatever it's called, and got two different responses and mm-hmm. don't, don't understand how other people view it. So they went online and said, hey, can you help me understand this? Like, this is not just about your content, friends. This is about you being perceived as somebody who asks really great questions mm-hmm. and who's courageous enough to ask these questions. Mm. So I don't care if you're, uh, you know, posting things about religion or politics or, I don't know, vaccines or whatever it is. If it's part of who you are, there's a way to do it respectfully so that people get to know who you are as a person. And that's really 
what people want to know before they choose to do business with you or not is, is how your thought process works. And can you be respectful of different opinions? And can you have a curious eye for differences and the, the things that are developing in our conversations today? And we also talked in the last episode about people doing business with us because they identify with us, because they, they feel included, because they have similar beliefs. And the funny thing is, is that they come to us for business and because we've got an expertise, but the reason that they come to us is actually not that at all, right? So it's, it's what we're doing is able to really help people to get to know us better, to really mm-hmm. explore. And something that I've noticed as well through some of the, the different questions that I've asked over the years, you know, not just recently, over a long time, is that sometimes these questions or the answers interest me so much that it sends my work down a different path because mm-hmm. I start to ask more questions about that. And one of the pieces for me is the future of work. That is something that about three years ago, I started to get really interested in artificial intelligence. How is the future of work changing? And started going way down rabbit holes and realized that when I put this together with my expertise, that I actually had something that was different again. So something that I was just interested in for the fun of it has actually changed how I you know, teach essentially. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, that's also a great example of how my business has changed because I, I mean, I have this ability to come up with marketing on the spot for people that I have never met before, develop content or ideas for content. It's so much fun. Like I literally feel high when I do it. Okay. Uh uh I call it my happy hippocampus moments. It's actually like part of what I'm creating in life. It's on my whiteboard. It's there every day. I read it. Like that is a big piece of who I am. Uh Uh-huh. I never thought I could get paid for that. Like it wasn't until I started telling people, hey, uh, I have this idea for your, what example can I give you? Uh, For your accounting business. Why don't you send out dictionaries? This actually happened, okay? Uh uh Send out dictionaries that say, do you feel like you need this to talk to your accountant? If so, call. That is genius. Oh my goodness, that is so genius. So the person that did that as a single accountant was 10,000 short of a million in his first five years. I, that is absolutely genius Uh, because everyone straight away relates to that. Who who loves talking to their accountant if they're not an accountant? (laughs) I got another one for you. We have a big insurance company here called Sun Life Financial and Sun Life approached me about speaking for them and they said, oh, you have to fill out this paperwork, this RFP, request for proposal for anyone who's not familiar with those particular letters. Mm -hmm. And I said, thanks, I'll send you something. And they said, please don't. And I said, great, I'll send you something. I don't do paperwork. And so I sent them two snow globes and I sent one full of mud and one full of water. Uh And I put a note and I put it in a little treasure box Uh and I put a note in it that said, do you want your advisors to be clear or clear as mud with your potential clients? Uh I was the only speaker they booked. Wow. Because they got that I understood what they were dealing with. Uh huh. And so it's really important to go down these paths and explore things that we didn't think could ever be something because they'll direct our work. 
and it has for you and it has for me. I mean, I'm getting on a plane tomorrow to fly, I don't know, a thousand miles or something away and I'm going to go speak and I'm going to get to do my marketing on the spot. I'm getting paid to come up with marketing on the spot for people Mm -hmm. after Mm -hmm. I talk about why doing it is so important. And I think that, you know, if we are willing to really step out and explore different conversations and explore things that feel a little uncomfortable, and, you know, even if we don't continue to experience the empathy, like really attempt to have empathy for people that we have no idea how we could possibly have empathy for, how else can we see ourselves? How else can we see the world? What other kind of content can we develop? You know, what could we share that would have our audience get to know us in a new way? How can we lead them in a new thought? What seeds can we plant to change the world? So this is going to be a super easy question and a super tricky question all at the same time. But I promise I'll only ask one question. From where we're sitting right now, for where, you know, Mary is walking down the road and listening to us in her earbuds and Jack is you know, doing, making his lunch and listening to us talking. For Mary and Jack right now, where do they start? Where, what is the thing that they can do to start to explore how their content and how these conversations can change? There are two answers. Mm-hmm. One of them is to go back and read the disagreements that people have had on your posts. Mm-hmm. And if there aren't any, is there a reason that you've held back posting something that might cause those conversations. Mm-hmm. And then the, the second answer really I have for you, Samantha, is how could Mary or Jack or Muhammad or Harpreet or whomever it is we're talking about, mm-hmm. how could they post something that could start one of those conversations? Mm. And that thing that you don't want to post is the thing you should post about. That's so, it there. That's mm-hmm. it there. <laughs> The thing Mm -hmm. that you don't want to post is the thing that you should post about. Yeah. You know, if you have a political question about, I don't know, I'm Canadian, so I will use non-Canadian examples. If you want to post about like Boris Johnson or Donald Trump and you have a question, instead of bashing one of those individuals who are two of the most bashed individuals on the planet right now, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what question could you ask that might be thought provoking? Maybe that question is, and you put in, in caps and bra- square brackets at the top, this is a serious question. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Donald Trump made this decision? That's it. And mm-hmm. that's your whole post. And just watch how people interact and invite. And, you know, maybe you do add something like this isn't about arguing. It's about starting a conversation. So mm-hmm. you lay the ground rules in your post. Or maybe it's something that's not political. Maybe it's business and it's, I'm really good at this. How do you see me in this capacity? So it's not, do you see me in this capacity? Mm -hmm. Because then you get a yes or no and you don't get enough information. It's how do you see me in this capacity? Mm -hmm. And then let people post and invite them to be honest. Love it. I love it. And I also like that you said, you know, this is a serious question. This is about a conversation. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a really important piece. And I 100% do that. And the reason I do is because I don't want people to start bashing people. I want them Mm -hmm. to understand before they've even written anything. We're actually adults here and we're having a conversation. It -hmm. it elicits a different kind of reaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as a very personal example of how I have to do this live is... 
actually, I'll be really specific. I was at a business mastermind a few weeks ago in Orlando, Florida, and we all went out for supper and I was, the air conditioning was really bad and I was hungry. So I was ticking a lot and I, you know, tend to make quite a bit of noise when I tick and sometimes I yell and I have no control over that. (laughs) And the woman beside me, I don't think that she'd ever met anybody with Tourette's before (laughs) because her comment was, well, I'll just start swearing out loud. So you feel better. And for those of you who can't see Samantha's face right now, it's a shocked (laughs) one. (laughs) And that was really interesting to me because, I mean, I've, my whole life have been dealing with people who try and make a joke to make me feel more comfortable, but I don't feel uncomfortable. So then they just end up looking like a fool because they've said something that is obviously ignorant because Mm -hmm. a very small percentage of people with Tourette swear. Mm -hmm. And so rather than being upset about it again, and don't get me wrong, like I have a moment of, huh, really? You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. I do. But I thought, wow, she's a particularly uneducated person. It, she's brilliant. She's been to school. She's, you know, got university degrees. But she, she's just never met somebody with Tourette's. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So if I put on those glasses, then I have an opportunity to say to her, hey, I'll make up her name. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, Lydia, this is actually not the truth. And I know lots of people think this because of these movies that have come out. But here's what you actually need to know. And I'm totally comfortable with it. What other questions can I answer for you? Oh, hello. Yes. Now, isn't that the most beautiful way to invite a conversation and to invite education? Yeah. And and the biggest thing is if you're going to be really brave and ask those questions, because the first time I asked that question, I got a lot of questions back that someone was afraid to ask out loud and, and my like defense mechanism started to rear its nasty head. And I thought, wait a minute, Twist, you asked them, mm-hmm. you invited them to ask questions. Mm-hmm. You don't get to now be offended by the questions they ask because you've made a safe space for them to belong. Yes. You made a safe space for them to feel comfortable, to ask some really some questions that people wonder about, but don't have anyone to go to there's a responsibility here. And so then I put aside my defensiveness and I put aside my upset. And then I become grateful for the fact that this person feels comfortable with me for asking those questions mm. and for having this conversation, be it mm. in, a, in a large group, a small group, online, wherever. If you could leave people with a challenge that will help them to step out of their comfort zone, but what would you encourage people to do to start to go down this route, to really take their, their thought leadership to the next level? The biggest thing that I, I want to challenge you to do, friends, is to believe something really deeply and share it and then ask people where they stand on that issue. Make sure it's something, and it could be something really simple because remember, like Rome wasn't built in a day or a long weekend for anybody who has that joke going, okay? <laughs> I've heard of it, but <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Rome was not built in a day. Rome was not built in a long weekend. Choose something really simple because to someone else, it won't be. So this is only truly within yourself what you feel is simple. And maybe your fear is holding you back from this. Do something so simple as, I love the color pink. What questions do you have about that? How do you feel about pink? And just start the conversation very slowly mm. because you, you're, you don't all of a sudden go and, and pick up 350 pounds and bench press it. You start with probably 20 or 30 or 40 or maybe just the bar for those of us who 
really don't have a lot of upper body strength. You don't start with 350. So don't start by asking a humongous question that is going to overload your brain and your emotional system. Yes, because then what happens is that just puts the brakes on and you stop before you've even got started. And then you're 10 steps back from where you were now. So yeah. something really simple. And maybe it's, you know, how do you feel about this company or, or how do you feel about Tim Hortons is a big uh, donut cafe shop here, okay? Mm-hmm. And they sponsor all the little kids to play soccer. That's mm-hmm. a thing. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Tim Hortons sponsoring little kids soccer? Could mm. be something so easy, so easy. But just practice asking questions that get responses. Mm. And know that when you move up to bigger things and when you start posting about your business in new ways and when you start learning about this, know, my friends, that a lack of engagement does not equal a lack of interest. I promise. Even though people talk about what people are talking about, online, they're afraid to be pigeonholed, even in comments. Mm -hmm. But they'll come up to you at events and they'll tap you on the shoulder and say, you know that thing you said about business, about the thing, I actually really agree with you, but I just can't talk about it because blah, blah, blah. And really, I'd like to do business with you because now I understand you better. 100%. And I'm sure that you get this too, but if I post certain things about business that are the kind of things that keep people awake, but they don't like to talk about... I get a lot of personal messages. It might not look like there's much engagement on the page, but boy, oh, yeah. does it start some conversations. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, it absolutely. Really does. absolutely. Really does. So there's your challenge, my friends. You can do this. Start with something small. Love it. Thank you so much for coming back and doing round two. I absolutely love you. I love our conversations. You're the only person ever that I've just said, let's actually, I can't even take, I can't even take credit. You're the one that said, let's record again. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help it. I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Our, uh, our, uh, what is it? A 45 minute episode. That was a 90 minute conversation. (laughs) So thank you for coming back and letting us share our conversation publicly and helping people to understand how to really take what they're doing to the next level, not just in social media, not just in content, but their business and also them as a human being. Like this is, this is huge. This changes people's lives. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I really loved our time together. Discover how to grow and scale your thought leaders business. Check out samanthariley.global. Head over to Facebook and join a tribe of like-minded entrepreneurs in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community.